Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Today's topics are really, really important. We're going to be talking about veteran legislative voice, purpose, and agenda. And to discuss that, we have two incredible panelists, Steph Kalota, and also she is a uh, U.S. Army reservist, technician, and founder of Veterans Legislative Voice. And we also have Diana Dennis, uh, who I uh, admire and respect very much when she comes on this show. She's a U.S. Army veteran and a national advocate and activist on women veteran issues. Uh, she's a lead administrator for service, Women Who Serve. I am so happy to have both of you on, and uh, we're going to talk about led women's uh, issues as well. But the veteran legislative voice, purpose, and agenda is an extremely important one, especially in the times we're living in right now. So uh, who wants to lead off, Steph or Diana? Steph, why don't you tell them what's going on right now in the expansion of Veterans Legislative Voice? Okay, so mm -hmm. hi, uh, it's Stephanie Collada. So the Veteran Legislative Voice, mm -hmm. uh, we just started, well, we just published our website. So it is www.vetlegislativevoice.org. And we are tracking and watching and pretty much trying to promote uh, any and all bills that will support veterans and uh, current military. Right now, the current focus right now is racism in the military, sexual assault, um, suicide, and uh, Diana, if I've forgotten one, please forgive me. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> good. Toxic, so many expo toxic exposures, and they all tend to, to yeah. lend to each other because they're all big issues. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, and toxic, toxic leadership is another one that we tend to focus on because when there is toxic leadership in a organization, it's a hotbed for sexual assault, harassment, suicide, and many other issues that may come around for our military. Yes. Absolutely. Um, right now, there is a huge effort underway to, uh, and we're pulling as many organizations on board uh, and entities, and we have a lot of them that have engaged. We have a, a multi-page request mm -hmm. for changes in the Vanessa Guillen Act that has mm -hmm. gone out um, through back channels, as it, as it were right now, to um, Congresswoman Jackie Spear, who is the chair of the Senate or the House Armed Services Military Personnel Subcommittee. And service women who serve, Worth 1020, the Military Women's Coalition Sexual Violence Policy Committee, the Veterans Legislative Voice, which is uh, Steph's group today, Justice for Vanessa Guillen, Invisible Combat, Our Sisters Keeper Movement, uh, Women Veterans Social Justice, Reinvent You, um, SMW Sisterhood of Military Women and Sisterhood of Veterans, all are very large organizations online, have all signed on to this. And basically what we want them to do is really strengthen the current legislation because we believe that major areas got left out that, that should be 
added and a couple of things that we believe need task forces as well as to uh, strengthen options. And we'll get into to some of those in a little bit. Um, what are the two big areas in that legislation that you see as key, Seth? Um, for me, it would basically be strengthening and protecting those that are in the most vulnerable positions in the military. So that would be those that go through MEPS and also the recruiting locations. Those individuals do not know they're typically very young, 17 up to 25, and don't understand the reporting or how, how they're actually supposed to be treated by recruiters and any other support staff in those locations. So protecting them and educating them on what is supposed to happen and what is not supposed to happen is a very important thing to add into the Vanessa Guillen Act. Absolutely. Um, and, and Dr. Arnold, I think that one of the things that you would probably agree with on this is that when we're going in on legislative changes, military nor veterans are very well versed in how legislation works or how it's put together yeah. or who you talk to. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, I, you know, as you were mentioning that, I was thinking um, that there's also a, a, some kind of responsibility in this uh, system uh, for, you know, actually having some kind of mechanism to understand who is it that we're putting in these uh, MEPS centers? You know, who are the recruiters? And are we actually screening them the appropriate way? And are we monitoring them the appropriate way? Right. Yeah, I, I think that, and that's one of the key things that we're asking for. We want them to be better vetted. We want cameras. And, you know, for some people, they're, they're like, really, you want to have cameras? We want the interviews with recruiters uh, digitally taped and put in the file with that recruit because there's too many of them taking advantage of young men and women and mm -hmm. putting them in dangerous situations and making promises that, that they can't fulfill because once they get somebody's signature on that contract, if it doesn't include all of those things, as you well know, it's yes. not real. Yes. Yeah, unless, you, and, unless it's written, it's not there, right? <laughs> exactly. So we want them held accountable, and we like cameras outside the recruiting stations as well as inside and as well as having those, those meetings recorded. And we also want them to have a lot of advanced information about what is and isn't allowed when they're talking to a recruiter, and what isn't isn't allowed when they go to MEPS and they're signing in. We've had a lot of young men and women both who have said, uh, this created a whole new uh, Facebook group that's got 13,000 members in it, came about largely, as, and they're almost all active duty, it came mm -hmm. about largely because of young women and young men coming forward and saying that they were assaulted during their physical examination at MEPS. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and we, we were like, how many has this happened to? And the numbers are extraordinary. And so we're like, okay, this absolutely has to be part of the legislative agenda. So now we're working with these young active duty women, and Steph can attest to this. We're bringing them on board and trying to teach them the things that they need to know. What is one of the aspects that we're looking at to get more people involved uh, to deal with their federal and state representatives, Steph? 
Yeah, that's absolutely critical because, you know, when you start thinking about it, you know, this is when a young person comes forward and is taking an oath to defend this country against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And to have a domestic person um, treat you this way uh, is is almost like a terroristic act because they're actually uh, having a direct impact on the strength of our military. Uh, because if you are, uh, you know, doing something to someone that causes psychological trauma, and then you send them off, off into a war zone. That is unconscionable. It, it, it just seems like this is be this would be almost an act of uh, terrorism against our own military. Yeah, and it, it is. Uh, I mean, fundamentally, that is wrong and terribly flawed. That it, and ever since we we put recruiting stations where there's usually only one person there at any given time, sometimes two. These young people are going in there literally on their own. And, yeah, and mm-hmm. that that's so true. And also when I mean when I was in high school, we had recruiters on our high school all the time. They would come in and bring in McDonalds to offer to the kids to also get them talking about the military. So just imagine a predator in that position. Mm-hmm. They would have so much that they could actually get a hold of to such a vulnerable position with these people, with yeah. these young adults. Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, you're saying that, I was just thinking in the back of my mind, you know, we have that same kind of situation with the, uh, with the churches, right, and people who are in trusted religious uh, positions who, you know, sometimes, um, you know, participate in that kind of um, horrible behavior, you know, uh, when they are molesting children and that kind of thing. And, you know, this seems like it would be even a higher calling than uh, sometimes even or at least equivalent to someone who is in that kind of uh, position where there's a trusted position. You have a person who's representing the federal government who is, uh, you know, supposed to be uh, representing the best of our uh, intentions in this nation, doing something that is despicable. Absolutely. And and no one holds them accountable. And when they're not that when they have actually not taken the oath yet, they're not in the military. So when somebody in a position of authority dealing with somebody who's 17 years old, some of them are 16 and 15 because they're going into, um, you know, a delayed entry program or they're going into uh, one of the adjunct schools in the prep schools uh, before they would go into, uh, like, one of the academies. And there is nothing to protect them. There is not a law out there that sets these young people into a place where they can get help. And there's there's no lawyers provided for them. I mean, it's basically, well, go file a complaint with your police department. What is oh, a 16- or 17-year-old supposed to do in that circumstance? We have put them in an untenable situation. We need to fix this. Yeah, this and, is and that's really absolutely not okay. So that is yes. a huge thrust of changing uh, this part of the Vanessa Guillen Act is to add, uh, I mean, we'd like to change a lot of things about it because, you know, when you rush legislation and everybody's trying to get something through really quickly, you tend to miss things. And all of us missed a lot of stuff, and we want to get it fixed now before the next phase. And if we can't, then we want to take that into a new piece of legislation. So what Steph is doing, um, tell them how you are approaching people and putting the word out to get folks involved with the actual process of the Veterans Legislative Voice Organization. 
Well, we put out the word on Facebook. We have Twitter and also Instagram and then my own website. We introduced them to the type of legislation that would help. And most most of these um, individuals are very passionate because they were either a victim or they knew a victim or they're, excuse me, a survivor. And um, or they're also friends or battle buddies of those that have committed suicide and they would like to make a change so no one else will have to go through this. So they will also come to, to me and find out how to make a change. So what we do is we introduce them to the legislation, why it's important, and then they contact their congressmen, their, either their representative or their senators, and they can call, they'll email, they'll write letters, and we have all different versions and templates and call scripts so they can call them to ask them to support the legislation that is in the process or, or um, haven't been introduced yet so they can also co-sponsor. And we're, we're also, um, one of the things we're doing, Dr. Arnold, is we're looking mm-hmm. at preparing the uh, individual uh, packages to teach people how legislation is actually made so that when they call into an office, uh, they can talk to one of the staff members and they'll be, you know, they'll have enough knowledge about how things are made and things are done legislatively so that they can get participation with staff members and that they get comfortable with doing that at their, you know, we're trying to get them in slowly, you know, it's like go to a city council meeting, Mm -hmm. learn about Robert's rules. Um, look up who your representatives are in your state and who does, you know, who's on the committee for military and veterans for your state. And then look at the federal folks and see which senator or representative you'd like to be like the babysitter for to walk through new legislation with (laughs) and get them on board and start talking to them and feeding them information. And if they can stay with one or two topics and they can feed it to them, on a regular basis, then then those legislative representatives, whether they're in the House or the Senate, will start relying on them for qualitative information. And when they're trying to push something out, they will call Veterans Legislative Voice and say, hey, can you get your team rallied? It looks like we're going to send this to committee. And oh. that's what we're trying to do is teach people. It's You know, when I was a kid, they had a thing called how a bill is made, and it was goofy. And it was <laughs> yes. funny, but it really explained how yeah, it, it did. Was. I know what you're talking about, that little cartoon. <laughs> yes, and it was, you know, it was funny, but it was very educational. It was instructive. Yes. It literally walked you through as stupid as all get out, but it walked you through how it's done. And it's valuable today because a lot of folks don't understand it. They think if something passes in the House, it's law. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, we got this law passed. It's like, not really. Um, we want, we're teaching them about language. Steph and I were talking about this yesterday, about the language of a bill, mm-hmm. what has mm-hmm. to be in there. Things like, if it says can and may, not mm-hmm. only is there not going to be any money mm-hmm. behind that legislation if it passes. No teeth. <laughs> they're not, there's no incentive for them to do anything in That's the bill. Right. That's right. Because there's, not, there's just going to be no force behind it. If it says must and shall, they got to do it, and money will be forthcoming. So when people look at a bill and we're trying to teach them how to read stuff, we say, do they have to go do that? And they're like, yeah, they're going to have to hire all these people and do all this stuff. And we're like, does it say that? 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it does that, and it's like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so we're yeah. we're trying to get this education out there, and you know, Stephanie's bit off a huge chunk here um, in terms of doing the education and having people understand, you know, who carries water on this stuff, whether it's at your state level, in your city council, at, at the federal level. Uh, right now with COVID, we're having to call the state folks because, or call them when they're back in their district, because nobody's going into D.C. hardly at all except to vote. Yeah, yeah. And so the staffs aren't there. They're back in the district. So we're like, you know, call San Mateo. <laughs> you know? Yes, yes. Yeah. You need to start linking with the folks at home. Um, we've got a couple of gals up in Chicago, and they're like, well, who do we call in D.C.? I'm like, you don't. Call them in Chicago. That's where their their base of operations is now, if people are even in the office. A lot of this is being forwarded to people's home phones, you know, through their, their district office. So, you know, it's kind of strange right now, um, uh, Colonel Harold. <laughs> we're, yeah, yeah. we're like, okay, this is different. And so teaching people how to do this in a pandemic has been a real treat. <laughs> oh, absolutely. This is fantastic. You know, and and one of the things is that, you know, we just went through a cycle today, of course, you know, with the second impeachment trial. And, um, you know, this is a nonpartisan show. So, I, you know, it doesn't make interest to which side of the aisle you're on right now and how you perceive that, you know, uh, Americans have their free will and, and, and their own opinions. Uh, but now that, you know, this is looks like it's, you know, getting into our rearview mirror, we need to be pushing forward with the business of the country, such as things like this. This this legislation needs to be a priority uh, because it's directly affecting those people who defend the freedom. Uh, we were worried about an insurrection, but uh, we have uh, people who are serving police, uh, the military uh, every day, men and women who have dedicated their lives to that. And they deserve the honor and the respect, at least not to be abused <laughs> when they're going in to actually sign up for these uh, these really high-level uh, uh, positions as far as um, their importance to our country. Absolutely. And to us, this is a lot of legislation around military, in the active duty, reserve, guard, all of this impacts our national security. If people don't think it doesn't impact national security to start losing young people because they've been abused by recruiters, they're missing the point. If we can't, uh, in a piece of legislation, part of the Vanessa Guillen Act is that people can sue the military. But if they go for veterans' benefits afterwards, those monies are recaptured. We need to change the law Mm. and the intent of that law to protect those funds and say, no, we're not going to recapture money. If you went through that in the military to bring this forward, you need to be able to keep those monies. And they should be separate from, you know, uh, veterans' benefits. So that's part of it, teaching people about bystander complicity, saying you can't watch this stuff go on in the military, in a MEP station, at a recruiting station, and not say something. Bystander complicity has to stop. And we need to hold people accountable. So there's a lot of oars in the water on these issues right now. It's it's uh, pretty overwhelming. Um, Steph has been doing all kinds of research on toxic exposures. That's another huge one. And racism. I mean, the Secretary of Defense has, I mean, he's done a full stop. He's like, we are going to get to the bottom of this. We are going to get hate groups out of the military. 
All of this is critical, and all of it is going to be legislatively driven. So very important, very important work that's that's going on. And and Steph has been – she spent the last few weeks dealing with toxic exposures. And she said, I know more about this than I ever wanted to know. (laughs) Uh, like, yeah. yeah, I guess there are a lot of toxic exposures in the uh, legislative process, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's true. That's true. Between toxic leadership and toxic exposures, we're a bit overwhelmed right now. <laughs> you know, but one thing you said, Diana, that I think is really important, and this, you know, earlier you were mentioning that, so if someone is assaulted, like in, in a MEP station or, you know, by um, mm-hmm. a superior in the military, the next thing they tell them is to go to the police. And I was just thinking about that when you were saying that. So you want me to go from one authoritative body to another. And, and you, know, you know, the likelihood I'll go there, especially if, you know, involves racism, um, you know, sexual assault, I'm, I'm potentially suicidal or, you know, I've been exposed to toxic exposures. The, the last place I want to go is into a police station. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I and and that's I mean, that was one of the things that Steph had brought up, too. She said, we've got to find, you know, a parallel ancillary group that can be dealing with these young folks and figure out. And that we want a task force. I mean, that's the bottom line to this part of legislation is we want task forces to address these issues. So they go in firsthand and learn what's happening at MEPS and at recruiting stations. Because, you know, you can give anecdotal evidence all day long, mm-hmm. but if they don't go and see it for themselves, until that legislative group, those congressional uh, task forces went down to Fort Hood, it was really hard for them to understand how bad it was. Yes. And when they started walking around down there, it changed their perspective. So a task force is an important uh, tool to get in there and teach our congressional representatives about what's happening, and and Steph's just doing a great job on this. I I couldn't couldn't be happier with the work that's being done. Okay, so we have one minute to go, but give us something. You know, where should people go to find out more information, or a phone number, or some way they they can get involved in this? But and and uh, you know, I know Dinah, you before you was mentioning on you know a previous show, you know co- you know making sure you contact your legislators and that kind of thing. So so what would your advice be now, just for pushing this legislation further? Well, Steph, I, I would like you to take that one because you've been mm-hmm. putting together all of the links for everything. Yes. So um, on our Facebook page, we have a veteran led, excuse me, Facebook group called Veteran Legislative Voice. And then we have a website up and it's vetslegislativevoice.org. And I'll have the, I have the links of all the other social media that I have already posted. Okay, great. Thank you very much for that. Um, we have to really thank our partner, Veterans, uh, Veteran Legislative Voice, and we uh, wish you all the best. Our nation depends on it uh, to make sure that you are actually there. So, uh, Stephanie and Diana, I, you know, always too short speaking to you. <laughs> I always wish I had another hour to talk to you uh, because this is such an important topic and it's critical for the uh, our infrastructure of our military and our nation. So... Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.